following message is the Word of God from Abiyokuta Believers Meeting, Latter Rains. Be blessed. Now let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter number 1. I'm just going to read uh, two verses and uh, we flow in the Word of God. How many of us are ready to receive the Word of God this morning? Thank you very much. Now Matthew 1, 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And in verse number 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Somebody say amen. amen. So what I want to talk about this morning is generations. The generations of the people of faith. Now this is important. If you I think I have to come down. I don't like standing upstairs. <laughs> if you come to our church, once I read the Bible, I come down. <laughs> if they can bring the pulpit down, I think it will be better. If it can be here, since this is morning session. So those who want to do evening session will go up there. It's for evening people. So this is, this is good for morning people. Praise God forevermore. As we begin to walk with God, you'll begin to notice patterns. you begin to see that God is not haphazard. It's very easy to understand God. And like I usually say, by the time a believer says, I'm confused, that is not consistent with who we are in Christ. Have you noticed something Matthew 1.17 there? That is not a mistake. That 14 generations existed between Abraham and David. Why 14? And you begin to proceed again between David and Babylon, 14 generations. So there are patterns in God. And before you could say Jack Robinson again, between Babylon and Christ, 14 generations. What you have in Matthew 1 17. Is the entire summary of the dealings of God with mankind. God is very recurrent. The waves of God, they are like, what do we call the waves in electricity? Apart from, what, what do they call them? We call them current. So that means if you miss him now, just wait, he will come again. God is that predictable. And once you begin to understand the predictable patterns in God, all you just need to do is to line up. There is nothing you are doing that is not captured in Matthew 117. That means in God, three import, there are three people who are very, very important. Number one, Abraham. Number two, David. And number three, Christ. You see, everything you want to do in life is centered around these three people. Among other people. <laughs> and that is why God made sure 14 generations existed between them. And the only time that was between David and Babylon, where somebody did not manifest, a place manifested, is called Babylon. And we're going to get there. So when a generation is confused, Babylon will signify three things in scripture. Number one, confusion. Number two, captivity. Number three, carried, carrying away. So when a generation is confused, when a generation is captivated, or they are captives, or when a generation is carried away, like our generation. In every generation, where people don't come into the Abraham great kind of person, the David dimension and the Christ dimension, the only dimension that is left is confusion. And in every generation, there is Babylon. You see, in a time of uh, the real Babylon, when the people had to go into captivity, which is another serious matter about hypergrace. You see, hypergrace would think the fact that you have entered into your inheritance doesn't mean you can still go into captivity. People were in their inheritance, but they were not living as though they were people who understood uh, the laws governing inheritance. So after 
been in their inheritance for almost how many years? And they were living anyhow. God said, look, the fact that you are in your inheritance does not mean you must misbehave. That if you misbehave, there is something that is called captivity. That means the inheritance will be intact, but you won't be there. For 70 years, you'll be somewhere else. You, you will be exposed to other realities. So God is saying, I'd rather have the promised land vacant than to have people misbehaving there under the notion of hypergrace. I think we need to say that again. <laughs> because a disturbance came into the body of Christ about two years ago, you know. For those of us who fought it, you know, it was, it was serious. And thank God we have a lot of young people here. I know as I'm talking, as some people are saying, we have welcomed you that you don't go there. So somebody say Abraham. David. Christ. Or Babylon. So choose one. <laughs> what do you think? So, so that was the real Babylon. By the time you get to the book of Revelation, Babylon was a spirit sitting on many waters. And the reason why they shouted hallelujah was when Babylon was defeated. It was as Babylon was defeated in Revelation 17 that they said hallelujah for the Lord God O many potent reigns. It was at the defeat of Babylon. So from a place to a spirit and in our generation, Babylon is a reality. You know, you know what Babylon is in our generation? Social media. People are confused. There's captivity and people are carried away. I mean, an average young person will wake up in the morning. Where do you go first? Instagram. Facebook. Twitter. What are you looking for? You are confused. You don't, you don't wake up first in the morning and you want to look at Abraham. You don't want to look at David. You don't want to look at Christ. So it does not matter how good a generation is. Once there is confusion or people are carried away. You know what it means to be carried away? Here you are, you have an assignment. But you are carried away. So you are carried away. You, you, are, you are doing all the things that you are not supposed to be doing. So let's come back. I, I needed to say that because if you are not careful, a lot of people are going to miss out on a major move of the Spirit in our generation. And this generation is ripe for another move of the Spirit of God. So somebody say Abraham. Now, the beginning point of every dealing of God is Abraham. That means the beginning point of every dealing of God is a work of faith. Outside of a walk of faith, you can't understand the patterns of God. So that means if God is going to deal with someone, the destination is Christ, but the beginning point is always Abraham. And what does, what does that tell us in the scheme of things? That tells us that God is going to place a demand on you, whether you like it or not, to walk by faith. You see, this faith walk is not something that, oh, I want it or I don't want it. If your destination is Christ, then you have to begin from Abraham. That means until that Abrahamic great and dimension is there, you have not started. You see, it's amazing. Before Abraham, God dealt with people. But it was as God started dealing with Abraham that the dealings of God with mankind assumed a scientific dimension that, is, that could be measured. Before now, God dealt with Adam, God dealt with Noah, God dealt with all kinds of people. But God never became their God. There was never a time that God said, I am the God of Noah. Or I am the God of Adam. The first time God became the God of one man, it was on the faith lane. Outside of the faith walk, what you have is a general God. It can never be your personal God. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, that is what we have. People just have this notion of a general God. So for the first time in human history, when the faith line hits, God became the God of one man. Namely, God said, I am the God of Abraham. That means God is saying, it is only people on the faith lane that can, that can hold me. <laughs> Outside of the faith lane, you just, so that means, just like 
this meeting now. It begins with a word. It begins with a word. And let me also say this. Okay. Sorry. Let me also say this. Let me also say this. When we begin a new year like this, because we are talking about the faith today, very important. Don't always think that at the beginning of a new year, God has a new word for you. <laughs> See, that, that, that's why people miss God. They're expecting a new word. I mean, if you see how people pray December 31st, I mean, oh my, heavens come down, you know. God is not an annual God. God is a God of times and seasons. And a season in God can be seven years. For some of us, the reason for 2019 is 2012. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not getting me. Because you see, this idea that God is entering into a new year is a lead to God. We, we, Henry Olomfi, we're just, we're, we're insulting God. So, so you mean God is coming from 2018 into 2019? God. That in 1619 was already in 2019. That, that is 400 years, isn't it? He looked at Abraham. And he said, Abraham, in the next 400 years, this is what is going to happen. Your descendants in the fourth generation will go to Egypt. And they will be there for 400 years. And after 400 years, I'm going to bring them out. So that means God is saying, at least, even if you want to disrespect me, give me credit. I can predict the next 400 years. You know why I said that? Genesis 12.1 is the beginning of the faith of Abraham. In Genesis 12.1, the Bible did not say, and God was speaking to Abraham. What did he say? Now, the Lord had said. So the faith lay, did not start on the note of what the Lord was saying. It started on the note of what the Lord had said. So Genesis 12.1 was not where God spoke to Abraham. Genesis 12.1 was where Abraham acted on what God said. So at times, the way to begin that faith walk is to act on what he told you 2012. Because that is the reason for 2019. So God has said, God has said, and Abraham kept on saying, Happy New Year. I mean to say, Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And the Lord was waiting. He said, I, I want to teach you faith. What I've said, whenever I go for my retreat at the beginning of the, at the end of the year or midway into the year, I go with all my notes from the day I became born again till date. I still have everything. Because I don't use Tunde Wet Scholar. I mean, or Mommy is Dead. That is 70. When you see such notes, you, you know that when people leave this meeting, they are going to throw them somewhere. But you see solid parchment. That's why Paul said, bring the parchment. He didn't say, bring, bring the one they gave us at the last wedding you attended. That's your note. <laughs> That's your note. Look at your neighbor's note. Look at your neighbor's note. <laughs> What did you bring to this meeting? <laughs> what did you bring to this meeting? Is it talking about you? <laughs> or you have parchment? Where there's a, there's a record of the dealings of God over the years. And you know what? Recently, like I was telling my wife. Recently. My wife is going to turn 40. This year. And guess what? When I was in UI in 1999, 20 years ago, as an undergraduate student, 
God told me something that I wrote in one of the notes I must do when she turns 40. <laughs> Thank God that you have those notes. So it's one of those moments of saying, I love you, I love you. I was writing a love letter to her in fellowship. I was the one. <laughs> I was the one going to preach. So she was my associate pastor. She would sit like this, I would sit like this. So on my way to the pulpit, I would drop a love load. People would think it's announcement for the fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm coming back she will respond, she will reply it so it was one of those replies that I put in the parchment and the Lord began to speak that when she's 40 this is the way to go now the Lord had said that is the beginning of the faith walk it's important for you to know that what God is interested in is seasons. God is very much interested in seasons. And if you look at your life in light of the scripture we just read, 14 generations. So if you begin to look at God, you will see that every seven years some things are happening. Every five years. Every three years. So what do you do? You can wait because you know it's coming again. But if your life is haphazard, that means you are not on the faith lane. The moment the faith lane hits, you could predict that in the next 14 generations, a David type will arise. That is the advantage of walking by faith. Your life is no longer haphazard. God is your God and life will begin to have meaning. That is the beginning of the dealing of God. So when, when we're teaching faith, this is not faith seminar, understand why it is important. Why without faith it is impossible to please God. And guess what? We, see, this is, this is how it works. God is going to give you a promise. And it's going to demand a faith walk on the account of that promise. And you just have to walk by faith. You just have to receive those words, whether it's convenient or not, like Abraham, and stop wasting time, stop procrastinating. Because if you read this story, until Abraham responded and acted, God did not say anything again. And let me also say this, that the fact that you're on the faith lane doesn't mean there won't be challenges. Because the moment Abraham stepped out, the next reality was there was famine in the land. For that is a proof of the fact that you are walking by faith. If it is easy, begin to doubt your faith walk. Because the realities usually they are diametrically opposed to your faith walk. Imagine, here you are, you are doing fine and suddenly you want to step out by faith and the next reality was that there was famine. So all I'm saying and this first part is that go back to what God said to you five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, when you became born again, and it will amaze you how much people have derailed over time. How much people have gotten into other things based on what is popular. The faith lane is, all, is not always popular. In fact, it's a lonely path. People will not understand you. You will just be there, but keep on keeping on. That is the way to go. God is pleased. And that is what is important. You might not have anything to show for it. See, at some point also, Abraham did not have so much to show for it. So God had to appear to encourage him on the faith lane. God said, Abraham, I am your shield. And I am your exceeding great reward. So that God was saying, if anybody is asking you on the account of this faith walk, what have you received? Tell them, God, I am the reward. Sometimes the only reward you have is God. And the fact that you are getting to know God the more, are deepening your knowledge of God. Because what is important is that you are looking at the next five years. You are looking at the next seven years. And what is important is that you will never go back. 
So, in this meeting, you know how you come for a meeting like this? All you are looking for is that you are like, you are like a word on time. You are looking for a word. And, and when you are praying for a meeting like this, you pray that even, even if the speaker is not talking in your direction, let the Holy Spirit lead the speaker. Let, let me give you an example of what happened recently. When we were this last we back, the morning doctor seen the tree came. When I woke up that morning, I told my wife, I said, I sensed a rare dimension of the anointing. I said, it happened in a dream, and it was about wealth transfer. It was about wealth transfer at a scale that is not the usual thing. I mean, that is governmental, that you start lending to nations. And we prayed, and I said, Lord, when we were praying that morning, I said, as I'm going for this program, whoever is going to speak, I didn't even know who the speaker was, because I was very busy, so I didn't attend most of it. I only attended three sessions. But I said, Lord, this session, whoever is speaking this morning, even if they are not planning to address that issue, lead them. And there was Dr. Cindy Trim. <laughs> she was running up. And she looked at me and said, you, come here. Step out. And she began. God is making nations to, to be obliged unto you. Well transfer. And she began to say those things that, you see, what do you need again? Our faith work started. Because once you kickstart the faith work, the next word will come. The next word will come. Every time you hear, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, the next word will come. The next word will come. Because where you are going is Isaac. And let me also say this, because I'm conscious of the time. I need to deal with the other two people. When you are about to get your Isaac, which is another season, God will never come to you to say, I have come to give you Isaac. You see, God has a sense of humor. If God is coming for Madam, it will, it will be coming. It's coming for Pastor Mrs., but it will keep on going. Imagine, out of all the roads leading to Sodom, at this God now, he could appear in Sodom now. He's God. The only route God wanted to take to go to Sodom was in front of Abraham's house. Ah, God is up to something. You should know when God is up to something. Lord God till day. You know that song? Lord God till day. Whenever he has come, he has come. That means it's the beginning of another cycle. So God saw Abraham and three men appeared. You see, when your season has come, honor men. Because God is not going to appear as God. God will appear as men. Because the greatest appearance of God is man. And that's why ultimately when he wanted to save us, he had to become a man. How did Abraham know that was God? Three men. And they, they didn't even greet him. They didn't even say, hi Abraham. They were just going. You remember when they were in the storm in the boat too, and Jesus was coming for them. He was just going. As if he didn't come for them. God wanted you to be part of the process. He, he, he wants us to long for him. He wants us to reach out. And I sort of faith you won't do that. So God makes sure they took light that day. So stop complaining when they take light. So it was hot. So Abraham had to come out under the tree to cool off. God could have passed before Abraham was under the tree. And after going in, God could have passed. God made sure it was while Abraham was there. And God passed. And Abraham said, oh my, I'm not going to miss this. And he said, please come, 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 come. And before you know it quickly, that's why your wife, your children on the faith lane, learn to be spontaneous. When I went for my brother's birthday, as the people in the church were talking, I just, I just, and I'm like, how can two brothers have so much in common? First, they were talking about his driving. You know, I was just laughing. The same thing. You can't drive me. Whenever I'm traveling, I drive myself. Protocol with seats. But I'll drive. <laughs> and uh, when I'm driving, uh, the least I do, you don't want to hear. <laughs> Let's leave that one. So when I was talking about my brother, and then I said something about him also that is very spontaneous. In fact, my wife will always tell you, my husband, spontaneous. 
Because that's the way Abraham did not. See, see, all this wife who have scheduled, you will miss out on faith lane. Because Abraham was not preparing to receive a guest that day. Get ready to receive guests when you are not ready to receive guests. All this, we have, we have the number of people that must live with us, that must stay with us. It's us and our family. Hey, you are missing out on God. Big time. Imagine when Abraham told Sarah, go and prepare something. Sarah said, I am tired. I, I, I didn't prepare for this. Why is this coming at this time? But they knew they were on the faith lane and they knew that demands would be made without them preparing for it. Just like Pastor Shola was saying, the part of the planning. Get used to things like that. Sarah started preparing, dressing, and you know what? You know what surprised me about the story was that God sat down and God started eating. God. God was eating. Imagine it was Amala. God was like, ah, ah, ah. Do you have chip with that there? God. <laughs> I mean, oh, assume, oh, bring it. Oh, bring it. And, and afterwards, God said, Can you give me two to speak? Ah, Abraham. Ah, where is Sarah? <laughs> God, you know, you know, at times because we take God too serious, we miss Him. <laughs> we have this concept of God, yeah, oh, day, oh, my lady, we're at So, if it comes in another form and is eating, our theology cannot handle it. It can't be God. Ah, God. God said, I said, where is Sarah? Abraham said, he said, God said, ah, you have come to the end of a cycle. It's just that you didn't know. I've been telling you, you are going to have a son. You are going to have a son. But because you have come to the end of a cycle, I'm going to tell you something I've not told you in 24 years. I'm going to attach the element of timing to the promise. In 24 years, God just kept on saying, I will give you a son. But God never told them when the son will come. But this new season, because God is a God of times and seasons. Abraham completed a cycle and God now said, by this time next year, according to the timing of life. That means God is saying, we are now putting divine resources into time. You will embrace a son. And Sarah laughed. You know, there are some unbelief. They are too late. <laughs> you know why? The deal is sealed already. So even if you laugh. Mm-hmm. So God said, why did Sarah laugh? And in the presence of God, in the presence of God, Sarah lied. Say, I did not laugh. Ah. You will have told God, we say, it's okay for you to lie when I'm in heaven. <laughs> but my face to face, you are lying. Turn thunder fire you. God. <laughs> God, you say, why did you laugh? Is there anything too hard for God? And guess what? God said, don't change the confession. You laughed. She didn't understand what God was saying. God said you laughed. Because I actually needed you to laugh. <laughs> so, out of fear, Sarah thought God was accusing her. That God was angry. Why did you laugh? God just wanted to know why. God did not say, you shouldn't have laughed. Because what Sarah batted is called laughter. After Sarah now batted Isaac, he said, God has made me to laugh. And everyone who hears with me shall laugh with me. So God wanted her to laugh. I want somebody to rise up this morning and laugh. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> glory. Glory. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Glory. You know, as we are teaching this morning, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is coming upon 40 people. 
and the Lord is saying, Spirit of joy, laugh, laugh, laugh. Because you are leaving this meeting laughing. You are leaving this meeting laughing. You may be seated. You know the power of God is already in the room. So don't even wait until you are called out. Launch out. There is power here this morning. And some people will just continue to laugh. It's just that don't distract us because it's on you already. Oh, I feel I feel the anointing here this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord. I need to hold myself. <laughs> thank you, Lord. 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 Oil of joy. All over the place. <laughs> All of joy. All of joy. All of joy. All of joy. Let's get into David. The next significant person is who? David. Now this is where the, the real deal is. David was a man after God's heart. If you want to understand Christ, there are times beyond the faith walk, you need to have a heart for God or faith will fail. <laughs> and, and that is what is causing the anger on social media. Why a generation of young people are so angry. Please, the people who are under influence, just leave them alone. I know there are people here and there, the Holy Spirit is touching. Because the wave of glory upon this meeting, I mean, you guys pray, it's obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's serious. Healings are happening already, things are happening. Things are happening. Well, this is a morning session. Let's stay focused. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You know, I, I just feel like closing the Bible. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I'll teach. <laughs> when he'll finish it. David. So God is saying, the faith walk is good. It runs through the entire thread. There's, there will be no time that faith will never be an emphasis. But at some other time, in addition to the faith, God is now saying, I need a heart. And this is where people miss out on God. David. A man after God's heart. Because you know why? Every one of us will come into a season where you are anointed but not yet appointed. Look, David did not send for Prophet Samuel. He didn't even know Samuel was coming to town. In fact, they did not even invite him for the meeting. When Samuel arrived and he said, Jesse, I, I want all your sons to come. Jesse felt, well, the four seven are here. If there is a king anywhere, it should be among these seven. You were in the field money of business. You were not even looking for the kingdom. And the prophet came to town and sent for you, poured oil on you, and anointed you as king. Only for you not to sit on any throne for another 16 years. If you don't have a heart, you will backslide. That is why a generation of young people are angry on social media, abusing the fathers, because they know they are anointed, but the appointment is like forever. So they are angry. Christ came up himself. After he became the king of kings and the lord of lords, in his post-resurrection form, Christ referred to himself. As the root and the offspring of David. When Christ looked at the church at Philadelphia. And he said. I want to give you an open door. What did he say? He said I'm going to give you the keys of David. In Acts of the Apostles. How did the church start? On the basis of the revelation of David. Peter rose up. Said ladies and gentlemen. The Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David. Concerning Judas. That means 2,000 years before Judas. David spoke it already. And when people were disturbing Christ, they were disturbing him. One day, he wanted to silence them. They said, how do I silence these people? He looked at them. He said, whose son is a Christ? And he said, we know that one. He's the son of David. Okay. He said, how come David in the spirit? Call him Lord. And they looked at him. 
<laughs> and the Bible says from that day, nobody. That means Jesus attested to the fact that David was in the spirit. Every major New Testament doctrine anchored in David. When Paul was there to start the doctrine of justification by faith, he said, and David also described the blessedness of a man that the Lord will not impute sin. You understand? And said, blessed are those whose iniquity are forgiven from David. When Paul in Hebrews 1 was going to describe the ministry of Christ, he said the ministry of Christ is anchored on two scriptures. Number one, that the Lord said, today, you are my son, today I have begotten you. That's Psalm 2. He said, he also said in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the old Mechizedek, Psalm 110. Every word Christ spoke on the cross, David said it in the Psalms. One day David woke up and said, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? Only for Christ to repeat the same thing. When they threatened them, the first prayer that they prayed that shook the place. The only prayer I'm true. Why do they, they rage? And the people imagine the event thing. And the whole place was shaking. You know why? It takes a heart after God. And if you are not writing Psalms, you are murmuring, you are complaining. So it's either you are complaining or you are a psalmist. You cannot do the two at the same time. And that is why the heart of David must be that feeder system for our faith. Outside of it, there are certain depths in God you cannot hit. So God is not just saying walk by faith. God is also saying get into revelation. Oh, when you read the Psalms, in fact, Eugene Patterson, Eugene Patterson died last year. That is the guy that wrote the Message Bible. Said the book of Psalms is the greatest gift God gave to mankind. And I agree. Because that is a man, how can one man be a king? And yet, the rebel, there's, no, there's no major story in the Old Testament that David did not return again in the book of Psalms. And by the time he's returning the stories in the book of Psalms, he will have some details. Like, for example, Psalm 144. Say, when Israel came out of Egypt, the people of God from the people of a strange language, Judah was his sanctuary, Israel was his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. You know, if you turn back to, to Exodus, you now realize why God said, go forward. Moses did not understand. But when David looked at that story, he said, the reason why God is saying go forward is that the sea fled already. So go forward. Because there's no more sea there. But he took a prophetic psalmist at the order of David to begin to decode some of these developments. And, and guess what? He was just all that. Well, another time he would look at it. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Another time, you see, can, can any generation Brother Emmy, Sister Shame, can any generation, no, can any generation beat David in worship? Because even as you open your mouth, 99% of what you are going to say is from the book of Psalms. You say, let us lift up our hand, the Lord is my life, the Lord is my salvation, it's in the Psalms. What else do you want to say to praise God that is not in the book of Psalms? And you see, in the wisdom of God, God make sure that is the biggest book in the Bible. 150 chapters. There's no book like that. And two thirds of it written by David. Source of Korah also wrote. Moses also wrote. House of Jeditum. And so on and so forth. Other people wrote. But the book of David. If you want to see a man that loved God's word. Read Psalm 119. Oh my. And again, God make sure Psalm 119 is the longest. He said, how can a young man cleanse his way? I take him. He said, oh, my heart is panting. I mean, David will wake up. He said, oh God, my God, early will I seek thee as in a dry and a tarting land where there's no water to see your power and your glory as I've seen in the sanctuary. David will say, there are many, they've increased who hate me, who say to David, there's no help for you in God. He said, but my help is in the name of the Lord. Eugene Patterson said, there is no human emotion. Human frailty that is not captured in the book of Psalms. That means there's nothing you want to say to God that is not already in that book. In fact, Eugene Patterson said, the book of Psalms is the only book in the Bible where human beings were 100% honest to God. <laughs> Wherever you say, God, my bones are dried up within me. 
but salvation is of God. <laughs> Whereby you come to your hand, but you still trust God. Imagine people looked at David. Three times he said it in the book of Psalms. People looked at David and said, there's no help for him in God. Ah, that is a serious one. But David stayed on. Ah! He, he began to say, but thou, O God, are the shield for me. You are my glory and lifter of my head. There was another time he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, please lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That, that is a man and, and before you know it, at some point you don't even know whether David is the one talking or is God. God takes over and God begins to talk through the mouth of David. One man and guess what? That's why I said there's always Babylon in every generation. Only for David to hand over this volume of revelation to Solomon. Solomon gave us Ecclesiastes. That, that is a place to cry. How can your father deliver so much to you? He started by telling you, Blessed is the man that does not, for his delight is the love of the Lord, and his love of him by day, day and night. You started by saying, Vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. How can all be vanity? See, we're laughing. <coughs> we're laughing. It's a very serious matter. Now, all that Solomon was concerned about is that he said, I will give my heart to madness. Lo, I've come to a great estate. There's nothing my heart wants that is withheld from me. I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll do that. And he continued. And his concern was that, okay, all this world I made. Who knows? That a man is going to arise after me who is going to be stupid. And is going to waste everything. And that literally happened. The greatest challenge... What is happening in our generation is that we are beginning to translate the Psalms to Ecclesiastes. That our theology is no longer deep. It's shallow. We read one scripture and we preach a sermon. It's, it's difficult nowadays to see. In fact, by the time a person wants to read a whole chapter before he starts teaching, the saints are already... I mean, you just look at their body language. They are like, oh, to for you. Ah, you know, then they... But we like it when we just read one verse and say seven point number one. Because there's no adventure in God again. There's no depth again. Imagine somebody reading Ecclesiastes to David. You know what Ecclesiastes is? It's a careful mix of success motivation, psychology and sociology and you now put God at the center. Because at the end of it, you know what Solomon said? He said, this is the end of the matter. Fear God. Is that all? All those things David said, where are they? Because if our heart is not into God, it will amaze us what we are capable of doing. And that's why prayer powers. Is there? So I'm not saying what did not happen. We started, we'll be doing six hours, we'll be doing six hours, we'll be doing six hours, and suddenly we get tired of six hours, move to seven hours, move to eight hours, until, until one day, I personally, I did 18 hours of just praying talks. You see, you can't, you can't be listening to Ecclesiastes and you think you understand God. You will understand women. That is why my marriage seminars, they are the most important thing to this generation. You call the word meeting. Well, I'm sure we'll say about love. The difference between Boaz and Bozo, people will go. Until it became so bad that the last thing Solomon left with us was the Song of Solomon. 
Somebody said it's a division of relationship between Christ and the church. No. Go and read it. He kisses me with the kisses of his mouth. And he mentioned the name of the woman, the Shulamite woman. You know, is that? It was, it was one girl Solomon fell in love with. And all, it's all, it's all pouring all those affections to God. Solomon poured all the affection. Psalms is the sons of David. They are the sons of David. Look at the sons of David. These are the sons of Solomon. Can you really say Solomon was a son of David? Now, this is where the robber eats the road. There is no generation in the body of Christ today on earth that is as endowed as this generation. There is none. We have received so much at the level of Psalms. But we are delivering so little. Thank you. About nine minutes more. So let's deal with some matters in nine minutes. Because this conference must make meaning. It must add value to us. How, how did this Solomon thing start? That the affection his father had for God, he had for things. For women, you see, the enemy knew that the anointing upon Solomon was to be a builder. So, when David was praying for Solomon in Psalm 72, Psalm 72 is a prayer David prayed for Solomon. David prophesied, looked at Solomon, he said, The kings of Tashis and of the eyes shall bring gifts, the kings of Sheba and of Seba shall offer presents. He said, All kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. For one purpose, so that I can deliver the needy when he cries. The poor also, and him that has no helper, so that I can break in pieces the oppressor. That means the Lord said the anointing and the wealth that was coming to Solomon was for a purpose. To take care of the needy. To break in pieces the oppressor. That was how Solomon started. But by the end of the life of Solomon, Solomon himself became the oppressor. Because by the time he died, his trailer to her at the consular conference. And they called his son and said, your father oppressed us. Make it light. And he looked at them. He said, give me three days. So he went to talk to the young men. The young, old men said, respect these people though. They will respect you. He said, okay. He went to meet the young men. To show that even in the days of Solomon, the heart of young men already shifted. No young man could give him godly cancer. You know what the young man told him? He said, don't be soft or more. You have to be hard. So he took God there. He said, you say your father, my father chastised you with whips. I will chastise you with scorpions. And they looked at him and they said, to your tent. Inheritance became a dwindling fortune. David handed over 12 tribes. Solomon handed over one tribe. The body of Christ began to lose ground. It's already happening in our generation. And if we are not careful, we will lose more ground. How can we have this number of people here? And this is the hope of the body of Christ. This is the future. You have to arise. See, the reason why, just like Pastor Shekou said, we can come back even as undergraduate to have meetings in this city, and years after Pastor Shekou is coming back again, it's, it's not that anybody is owing anybody anything. As a matter of fact, this is even costly to do. I remember even then when we used to do rock, we used to use cultural center, even there, it was very expensive. We put all our resources together, all our pocket monies, everybody will come to the city to come and have a program. And that was what David did for Solomon. Up until the last cobble to build the temple, David made sure it was provided. Because God already said Solomon was going to be a man of peace. If ever there is a time the body of Christ has enjoyed peace, it is this generation. The fathers are no longer fighting like they used to before. You understand? So there's relative peace. Because the Bible says we have dominion from sea to sea. Guess what? The enemy now knew. Because God told David point blank. God said, you will not build. It does not matter how much you desire to build that temple. It is Solomon that will build it. That means God was saying the anointing upon Solomon was that of a builder. So the enemy saw that. It is not an achievement that Solomon built a temple for God. Because he built more of idols. 
Now that means when the anointing is upon a generation and the heart is not the heart of David, that anointing will still be there, but they will use that anointing to build other things. Ozola, I think um, you are the convener. You are liberty to correct this. When the Lord told Solomon that you are going to have dominion from sea to sea and there will be peace, I think what the Lord was telling Solomon is that it will be very easy for you to replicate this temple everywhere. Because every nation is already at peace with you. So when the Queen of Sheba visited, Solomon had told the Queen of Sheba, I'm coming to Sheba. You like this temple? I'm coming to Sheba to build an exact replica. That was because the anointing to build was on him. If ever there is a message I'm leaving with us, you know, there are many dimensions of the anointing. You come into a level of anointing once you're a member of the body of Christ. That's a level. You come into a level of anointing once the Lord calls you into ministry. That's a level. You come into a level of anointing because you belong to a generation. There's an anointing upon every generation. Our generation might not build another redemption camp. We might not build another... I didn't say we will not. I said we might not. But there's also something we have to build. There's a building project for every generation. And it starts with a heart for God. If ever there's anything I'm telling us as a generation... Is that let's go back to the same great kind of Christianity and drop these Ecclesiastes and Songs of Solomon great. God made sure those books were recorded to show us that you can receive so much and deliver so little. Because your heart is not right. Your heart is not after God again. It's not after things. It's not after things. It's no longer after God. It's not after the breakthrough. It's not after making it. And God is saying, the kind of king I want to see must be a priest. So in God, the king is a priest. In God, there is a priestly ministry of the king. So, look, if ever there is a promotion that is going on in our generation, it is a promotion of the agenda of the king. But we are de-emphasizing the agenda of the priesthood. But in Christ Jesus, he made us both. And that is why if you look at Abraham, David and Christ, they were the only three people in scripture who understood Melchizedek. Abraham met him. David wrote in Psalm 110, and Christ came as a priest after the order of Melchizedek. What are they telling us? You cannot be a king and not a priest. You cannot say, I'm a we're going to Hannah. That is a Solomon in the making. But what, that is why even in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, you know, just that center here, I just saw a wave of the glory of God somewhere there. Something is happening there. Guess what? Isaiah in Jeremiah, every time God wanted to speak about solid leadership, he always referred to David. Because I would gather the people together and David will be their king. Another time, said David will be their shepherd. Be, in Isaiah 55, he said, I've made him a commander, a ruler, and a witness to the people. He looked at them and said, I will give you the sure message of David. That was years after David was gone. Has the dear parts after the water? You see, of late, I read the entire book of Psalms. I had to study that. Every time I would just scream, my wife would be looking at me. I would just say, come and say, what kind of man is this? This is a generation. This is what God is looking for. That I have found David, the son of, I mean, the, the son of, um, what I just said, the better man, a man after my own heart. And I tell you, in our generation, some people getting angry and be criticizing the leaders. The eyes of the Lord, they are running to and fro again. And it's already selecting the next generation of leadership for the body of Christ globally. And believe me, many people in this room, you are God's choice for your generation. And if ever there is anything this meeting is doing, it's for you to accept that mandate. So Christ is the son of Abraham and the son of David. That means once you come into Christ, it's a summation of the dealings and level of faith, dealings of your heart, 
so that you can handle the power and the wisdom of God. Because Christ, the power of God, Christ, the wisdom of God. So it will take faith, a heart, to handle the power and to handle the wisdom. I'd like you to rise up this morning. My time is up. But I want us to lift up our hands. Let me just ask Pastor for two minutes. After two minutes, I just want us to pray in the Spirit. We need, I was happy when I heard that prayers were offered yesterday. We need to pray for our generation. Imagine how God was so disappointed. God loved Solomon. See, Solomon's story is another story why you should not believe hyper grace. In fact, God gave him a name. After the name is Solomon, God said, no, I'm going to send a name. And you know what God called him? Jedidah, the beloved of Jehovah. So love was there. God, but when God saw how the guy was behaving, God said God himself raised adversaries. As Solomon ended, the God of Sheba came. Because wealth is coming, whether you like it or not. It is, it is the inheritance of this generation. <laughs> but what are we going to do with it? To build one for God and build more for later must go. Saul ended up in the home of the witch of Endor. Solomon served idols. Despite how David was pressed and troubled, David never served another God. He stayed true. To the Lord God of Israel. Somebody can say, but you know, Pastor, why are you talking about idolatry? Are you not saying I have one statue at the corner of my house that I'm bowing down to? Covetousness can be idolatry. And anything that is having more attention, social media can be idolatry. And it's already idolatry to many people. And let's prove that. If you are spending more time on Instagram and Facebook than praying, it's already an idol, except we want to deceive ourselves. And that's why nowadays, for the most part, my phone is not even on. And when it's on, I deliberately put it offline. So that it's only text messages and phone call. I have time when I check my Instagram. And I don't just check. I don't look at what others are doing. I put my own messages there. That is my interest. Or you wake up in the morning as a lady. You are looking at how they are dressing. And it's now an idol. That is Solomon. At the end of the day, if you put it on the spot, what will come out of you, there will be no sound there. You will give us your own version of the songs of Solomon or your own version of Ecclesiastes. You will give us philosophy, psychology mixed with God. It will not be pure God. I'd like us to begin to pray this morning. Can I hear the cry of a generation here this morning? Two minutes. Just have two minutes. La Crocodoma Sidi Nebo. We are crying. I belong to this generation too. I'm crying. I'm saying, Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. We want to see depths. Depths. We want to see the heart of David again. Let's to Prada Masela Mashtaba. Boka Malile Pros Tala Mashtaba. Depth. Depth. Boko Masila Mashtaba. David kind of people. Prophets. People who understand how long. People who can deliver the level of God. Who can commune with God. That's the hard part after the water brooks. So I'm making a commitment from this meeting. I'm going back to my prayer life. Like the days of old. I'm going back to my heart of worship. David was a worshiper. I mean, that guy worshipped. Worshipped. In Jesus' name. Would you lift up your hands? 
Now I said something. And that's the last thing. There's an anointing that the Lord is raising again upon this generation. You know, when I woke up early this morning, the Lord said, what is today's date? I remember. I said, 8th of February. He said, 8th to 8 is God's number for new beginning. And personally, he told me, he said, as you are ministering at Belkutan this morning, it's also a new beginning for you. And it's also a new beginning for those who are listening to you. That is why it's 8 Father, in the name of Jesus, let a wave of your glory fill this house this morning. Like David, raise a generation that we activate the protocols of Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you.